Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. I'm your host, Eric Flickinger, and delighted to have you joining us once again this week. We are continuing our journey through being in the crucible with Christ this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. And this week we are looking at week number 11, Patience Waiting in the Crucible. With me once again is the author of this quarter's Sabbath School lesson, Gavin Anthony, the president of the Iceland Conference. Gavin, welcome back once again. Thank you. So let's look at this week's lesson, Patience Waiting in the Crucible. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it lists patience or long-suffering as one of the fruits of the Spirit, a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, patience or long-suffering. So we kind of know that ought to be a characteristic that we have, but it's not always the easiest one to, uh, to practice. No, no, it's not. And I just think it's fascinating in the first place that, that this is one of the, the evidences that the Spirit is present. Um, now, there are some bits that I have to do in this whole process, but this is a, this is a spiritual, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, now, we're looking at patience. Uh, last time we were looking at, at praise, uh, and we've always been often linking to faith. And we're talking about how praise is articulated faith, uh, verbalized faith uh, sometimes. Um, Patience is also, I think, rooted in faith because this is now faith in God's timing. God has a time frame. uh, There are certain time points where he needs to do something, not before, not after, at that time. But I don't have that uh, time frame. Oh, I don't want that time frame. I want things now or when I, when I think I need them. And so as we're going through this week, we're going to be kind of uh, playing with this idea of the need to be aligned to God's timing. Now, I remember many years ago, and you might have uh, heard this, there was, there was a great scientific experiment. Um, some scientists put a big plate of marshmallows on the table and brought in some four-year-olds and they said, you can have one of these marshmallows, but if you wait till I come back, I will give you two. So they left the kids alone in the room with a plate of marshmallows, and then they left. And they did some things, and they're watching what they're doing. And of course, some kids um, just went straight for the marshmallows and stuffed as many as they could in their mouths. Um, Others, they did everything they could to distract themselves from looking at this plate and be sucked in uh, and taking one. Um, And then they they tracked through the children's lives how each uh, group did. The group that uh, waited patiently for the scientists to come back and then they got their reward compared to those who didn't wait patiently. And it's interesting, Time magazine reported on this, and they said that the kids who held out for the second marshmallow scored an average of 210 points higher on their SATs. Uh, That's really quite something. And then um, their comment in, in, in the magazine article it says that we think of brilliance, uh, we think of people who are wired for greatness from birth and that somehow greatness is linked to IQ. But they says, they report, it seems that the ability to delay gratification, that's the patience bit, is a master skill. 
So even from just a purely scientific perspective, patience, delayed gratification is a master skill, a triumph of the reasoning brain over the impulsive one. When it comes to predicting people's success, brain power as measured by IQ and standardized achievement tests may actually matter less than the qualities of mind once thought of as character before the word began to sound quaint. So it sounds like character, at least at this time in, in Times Ma- Time Magazine's article, character has a significant uh, impact on, on who we are and what we accomplish and where we go and what we do. And I, I, it almost sounds as if perhaps they'd been reading the Bible or something to get some, some ideas. Character plays, we know character plays a significant role. Yes, and I, I think it's interesting how at the time when I was reading this, there were a number of books coming out on character. Uh, I remember going into one particular meeting and I started talking about character and someone said to me, they said, isn't that a little bit kind of old-fashioned? And I was really taken aback because for me, character was just coming into vogue. You know, this was a really important thing. Um, and I think the, perhaps the some people have observed that the emphasis on, on psychology, on measurable testing, um, which is difficult for character. Um, so the character idea got pushed aside and we're focusing on, on easier things to measure. And so character, I think, needs to have a comeback. And as I was saying, at the heart of character, a master skill is this delayed gratification or patience. And so from our point of view as Christians, this is something that we're working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to trust God's timing, that at God's timing, something will come when it needs to come. You know, character, I guess from a certain perspective, character is an antiquated idea. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. It's very antiquated. But as we get to the end of time, it's going to play an enormous role leading right up to, to the return of Jesus. And midway between, or maybe not midway, but partway between uh, creation and, and Christ's second coming, is Paul's letter to the Romans, which is what we come into here in Sunday's lesson. And I wanted to read this passage, Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, because Paul, of course, is, is delving into this, uh, this idea of patience. He says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he talks about patience in there at least a couple of times. Yes. I mean, I mean, first of all, he says, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. God has promised something. It hasn't come immediately today. It's coming. So we're going to be, we can wait patiently for it. But then he, as you said, the second time, verse five, may God who gives this patience and encouragement. And I, I think, again, we're coming back to this idea of it being a, a fruit of the Spirit, meaning the, the evidence that the Spirit is present within us. He gives this capacity for patience. And of course, it needs to be something that is supernatural, because I certainly don't have it by myself. Um, patience is difficult, because 
by definition, I, I want something now. I don't want to wait. This whatever in whatever it is inside of me is is just longing for something that I I, I need now. Um, it's interesting. One of in in Psalm uh, thirty-seven verse seven, it talks about waiting patiently for God. The Hebrew word uh, can be translated to be much pained, to shake, to tremble, to be wounded. To be sorrowful. So those things are not not easy or pleasant, um, and of course that's often what is happening when we are put in in a crucible. We we we, we find ourselves in a situation where we, we we are anxious. We want to get something done. We want to do something. We want to get something, uh, uh, but it's not God's timing, and therefore the waiting process is challenging and we we saw that with the example of the of the kids with the marshmallows i mean that's just that's humanity right there and uh and yet god wants us to through trusting him through getting to know him through having faith in him putting that faith into practice by exercising patience and i think that's you know we're, we're waiting for god right so we've, we've been saying so many times, God is present, he is good, he is loving. So at the right time, God will give us what is best. And I, I remember one particular, when we bought our first apartment, when we got married, um, we were looking and we, we'd found these apartment blocks. They hadn't been built yet. The demand was very strong. So you had to get your name down on a piece of paper before they were built to make sure you could guarantee your spot and so we wanted to live in a particular uh, area it's just out of Reykjavik it's kind of country area and the view from the apartments is is out over the sea there are horse fields in in front and across the sea there's a beautiful glacier that you can see in the sunsets in the summer across the sea and across the horizon and the glacier and it's like okay this is where we want to be so we went to the uh, estate agent and said okay Please let us know. The moment these are on sale where we can write our names down, please, please do this. And we prayed and prayed about it. He said, absolutely, I'll do this. And then we suddenly found out some weeks later that they'd come onto the market and they had sold them all. And I was really, I was really irritated. It's like, we've been praying for this. This is exactly what God, uh, what we want um, but for some reason, it just did not work out. So I became a little bit, you know, agitated. Um, the next year, they built a new set of apartment blocks in front of those apartment blocks, blocking the whole view. And that, but that time, we were able to get the exactly the apartment that we wanted. You know, I was eager and irritated when my timing didn't work out. And what we're saying here is, okay, being patient, it's, it's difficult, uh, it's tough. But when we trust things to God, God's will will work out, and he's good. Let's, let's trust that he'll do this for us. What a powerful example of exactly that. And I, part of me in the back of my mind is, is wondering, when you moved into your new perfect apartment, maybe I wonder if the thought crossed your mind if they were going to build another set of apartments in front <laughs> But it it crossed good. my mind a lot, um, but it never did, it, it, uh, even to this day. But we've, we've moved on now to another 
another house. No, you, you trusted in God, placed your faith in him, and, and he blessed you as a result of it. And that's what he wants to do for all of us. And that's what we're looking at this week as we continue looking at the challenges that we go through as Christians in this life. Uh, God has pulled us into, brought us into an imperfect world with challenges, with difficulties, or if we want to look at it a different way, with opportunities to grow our faith, to grow our faith in him. This week we are looking specifically at patience. Some of the stories in the Bible that give us encouragement, that give us hope when we look at patience, and some of the challenges that people in the Bible have gone through. The reason that these Bible stories are included in there, the Bible says they are for our admonition so that we can grow from them. If you want to grow a little bit more yourself, I want to encourage you to pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath school lesson. It is called The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony, and you can find it at itiswritten.shop. And you'll be blessed if you pick that up and read it. We'll be back in just a moment as we continue looking at patience. Back in just a moment. There's something I want to tell you about that is so important. It's My Place with Jesus. It is written's ministry to children. Take the children you care about to MyPlaceWithJesus.com. At My Place with Jesus, you'll find so much that will bless your children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or the children at church. There are the My Place with Jesus Bible Guides, 21 studies that will take the children you care about into the Word of God. They'll learn the important things, especially the love of God and the sacrifice Jesus made for them. As well, take your children to Journey Through the Bible. It's there at MyPlaceWithJesus.com. It's a special Bible reading program that will get children into the habit of reading their Bible daily and connecting with God regularly. So don't forget, MyPlaceWithJesus.com from It Is Written. Welcome back to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. This week we are looking at the subject of patience. And Gavin, in the next few days worth of lessons here, we have some some object lessons, some Bible stories on patience, and we're starting with the story of David. What does David's story teach us about patience? All right, well, for this, we've got to look at the whole picture. We're looking from a bird's eye view of what's going on in David's life. So David is anointed by Samuel when he's about 17. And, you know, as a young person, uh, I've just been anointed um, I'm probably going to be the king soon. Um, I wonder what sort of thoughts would have gone through his mind. Well, I can only tell you what goes through through my mind. You know, if someone come and, 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 and give this impression that I'm I'm destined for great things, even if I might not have grasped exactly what it is. Um, but here I am, I've been anointed, and I go back out to look after the sheep, but I'm thinking about the future. What is going to happen? Uh, what are these great plans that are coming that Samuel should show up to our family's house to talk about? Um, and, of course, the next part of the story, uh, David is asked to go into the palace because Saul is irritated and upset and he wants someone to play harp music to calm him down. Now, that, that's okay, but what was going on in David's mind? 
hmm, you know, I'm, I'm in the palace. Um, he must have been thinking back to that anointing and, and where is God taking him? And, and he's sitting there and, and playing his harp and thinking, oh, maybe I'll be here one day. You know, when is it? Is it going to be tomorrow? Is it in a couple of weeks? When is that? I, I'd love to know what, what David was thinking. When I get to heaven, we'll, we'll have a chat about it. But then, of course, it gets even more interesting. He's still young. He goes out and he kills Goliath. Everyone is singing his praises. Now what is David thinking? You know, I've been in the palace. I've played for the king. I, I've done this magnificent service to Israel. And uh, everyone's singing my praises. Surely now um, some good things are going to happen. Well, what happens next? Saul decides to chase David. And he's being chased through, um, you know, the the uh, the mountains and the desert. He's running from his life, and he's, as he's going going along, he's he's playing some tunes and singing some songs. You know, I'm not sure he ever thought hmm, this will be recorded for posterity. Um, but we have the Book of Psalms with a huge chunk coming from David and this period of his life. Uh, but he's not an anointed king yet. And then, of course, we get to this part where uh, David is, and his men are hiding in a cave and Saul comes along. He goes into the cave and, and David decides he's not going to kill him, but he's going to sneak up on him. And he cuts a little bit of his robe off. Uh, Saul leaves, but David is suddenly overwhelmed by some type of guilt. And he goes out and he talks and he calls out to Saul as, as, as the Lord's anointed one. David, at least by that time, realized that if God had plans for him, he wasn't going to try and steal those plans or use his whatever initiative to bring those plans into into play particularly in, in this context where you know Saul was also anointed as as the king so David sees the, the the kingship the kingdom becoming king as something that God does and he's going to allow God to unfold that in his time and I, I think there's an interesting kind of lesson um, uh, firstly let's learn not to be amateur providences <laughs> let's allow god to unpack things um and i suppose just this foundational idea don't grab what god hasn't given to you yet and the problem is i'm impatient i want to go in and get it use my initiative get the job done but it's not yet in god's timing and i need to learn to wait so eventually it was time for him according to to god's game plan, his, his timeline, as it were. But imagine how the story would have been different if David had jumped the proverbial gun and, and done what he shouldn't have done when he shouldn't have done it. And we have lots of stories where people do jump the gun. <laughs> or, or, or maybe it's the right thing, but it's either they, they're jumping the gun into something that's wrong or they're jumping too early. Um, and maybe we, we come into a little bit of that story with, with Elijah. But maybe before we, we get to Elijah, 
I, I remember some years ago, um, someone came to me and they said, uh, hey, Gavin, um, have you decided what you're going to do in your life? I mean, I started working, um, but it's like they wanted to know what was my game plan. And I said, um, I, I don't have one. Um, and a text which was very important to me at the time, well, it still is, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, maybe I'll just read that quickly. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, there's all sorts of um, stuff in that verse. It's chock-a-block with interesting uh, ideas. But you've got this basic idea of becoming a sacrifice, which is in verse 1. Knowing God's will is in verse 2. And the way it's put together, it, it suggests that I can only know God's will once I have offered myself as a sacrifice. If I'm doing my own thing, I'm not going to see clearly. And I think so when we're thinking about rushing and patience and all that sort of stuff, we can only learn to become patient if we're also prepared to become a, a living sacrifice, which is a, a topic we all discuss a lot more next week. And it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural to, to be a sacrifice to to lay our will down at, at God's feet, and yet ultimately, that's exactly what needs to happen if we want to find God's will in our lives. You mentioned Elijah. Talk a little bit about Elijah. Well, again, like we looked at David, this big picture. Uh, let's look at the story of Elijah in a big picture, and this is this is First Kings eighteen and nineteen. Um, we have this uh, great finale. Um, the prophets of Baal have been out. They've been calling on, on their God to bring fire out of heaven. The whole of Israel has come around. They're, they're wanting to see what's going to happen. Uh, and in they, they, obviously, fire did not come out of heaven in response to their prayers. Elijah comes up, soaks the, the offering with with bucket loads of water, prays a simple prayer, fire comes down out of heaven, uh, consumes everything. And the most important thing, the whole of Israel around watching the spectators, they say, the Lord, he is God. You know, the Lord, he is God. Spectacular. And then a few moments later, of course, they they'd hadn't had water for, for many, many years. And so he then prays. For rain, God tells him to go pray for rain. He, he prays for rain. Rain starts to pour and it, it's coming down in torrents. So in response to Elijah's prayer, fire comes out, out of heaven, rain comes down out of heaven. Uh, that's, that's quite an impressive feat <laughs> uh, for anybody. Um, but then we have this, this slight challenge, Jezebel appears and she lets it be known that she's going to find Elijah and kill him for what he has done to the prophets of Baal. So what does Elijah do? He runs off into the desert. Um, let me read a little bit of this passage here. Um, because, well, before, before I read it, he's running into the desert 
when it appears he should have stayed behind. He ran because of Jezebel's threat. And, you know, imagine if he had stayed behind. You know, fire had come out of heaven, water had come out of heaven. Surely he could have confronted Jezebel to bring in a full and complete revival. Uh, But he doesn't. He is overwhelmed with fear. And his fear leads to impatience and he charges off into the desert. But then an amazing thing happens. This is First uh, Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I mean, this is, this is serious. He was so overwhelmed, even after those miracles. You know, it's like, I've done these miracles, you know, God is with me. No, he is overwhelmed with discouragement. I think Satan really comes down and, and, and presses his, his, um, his power upon him. He's overwhelmed. He wants to die. He continues, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. It's kind of interesting often when this phrase angel of the Lord appears in the Old Testament, it's another name for Jesus. I don't know whether it's exactly Jesus or not here, but heaven comes down. God sends an angel to encourage this fearful, discouraged, impatient prophet and even cooks him a meal. I mean, imagine that God God comes down, maybe if it is Jesus, and cooks this impatient man a meal and I it just shows me how gracious God is how kind God is even when we are doing the opposite of what he would really like us to do and it reminds me when I was studying Hebrew one of the first things I was told is my Hebrew teacher God has a long nose the, the, the word for patience is God has a is long to have a long nose meaning that it takes a long time for God to get really frustrated and uh, it's just a, a, a picture of God's amazing grace for us. You know, Gavin, there may be some who are watching today, who are listening today, who need help in the, in the area of patience, in the department of patience. I wonder if you might have a prayer that God would give them what they need to have the patience that he desires that they have. Absolutely. I am struggling with patience. I'm sure you struggle with patience as well. It is, as we've seen at the beginning, one of God's gifts to us. So let's pray about that. Father, teach us patience, for it keeps us close to you. Teach us to understand the perfection of your timing, to trust your sovereignty, to rest peacefully in the knowledge that all things in my life are under your loving care, and that even your pauses may have meaning and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us this week on Sabbath School. We look forward to seeing you again next week. 
as we take a look at the almost the very last lesson in this quarter. We look forward to seeing you then. Thank you.